the old school open that was the original open of the spielman and hooley we tackle life podcast and when chris is not here i get the chance to play it red shoes and all he made it in touchdown in the cotton bowl against uh kevin murray father of kyler murray good morning everybody welcome to a Friday, December 11th edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Mr. Spielman is in Cincinnati where he will have the Bengals and the Andy Dalton comeback game. Andy Dalton's return to Cincinnati. And as I said on the podcast, I'll be very disappointed, bitterly disappointed, in fact, if the talented Fox graphics crew does not take the opportunity to play off the Red Rifles' return to Cincinnati, the uh, onset of Christmas in less than two weeks at game time and parlay that into some kind of really clever graphic with Andy Dalton in a pink bunny suit as uh, Ralphie in the movie A Christmas Story. Red Rifle, Red Rider BB gun. It all fits seamlessly together. <laughs> Hopefully we will see that on Sunday. And I haven't checked the TV listings. I, I would certainly think we'd have the Bengals. And the Cowboys on Sunday because we will not have a Browns game on Sunday. We will have to wait for Monday night and the Browns and the Ravens. Monday night football, primetime Cleveland Browns, and they deserve it. They're 9-3, and three, riding a hot streak. They have an 81% chance of making the playoffs, according to the analytics that I checked this morning. Four games left for the Brownies. They have the Ravens this Monday, and they have back-to-back road games against the NFC East leading, but nevertheless under 500 New York football giants, then the winless, woeful New York Jets, and then a January 3rd final game of the regular season, most likely against a bunch of guys who would not play unless the Steelers had already clinched the AFC North. So that one, they could win out. The Bengals, the Browns could win out, ladies and gentlemen, and finish 13-3. and Or, as they showed in the second half against the Tennessee Titans, as they showed at home against the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, as they showed in the season opener against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they're capable of yakking it away because they are still a team of learning how to win under pressure. And... Uh, We'll see what we see, but I would not expect them to yak away a chance to make the playoffs. As right now, they are the number one wild card, and their record compares favorably with the other division leaders. It's just the Browns' misfortune that they are in the AFC North, where Pittsburgh rolls along once beaten. Now, Baltimore, which handled the Browns easily in the season opener in Baltimore, Baltimore needs this game. Ravens are also a wild card at this point in time, but uh, they are much more in a precarious position than the Cleveland Browns. So Monday night's game will be interesting. The Bengals game will be exceedingly interesting because, you know, Andy Dalton's a really good guy. Let's face it, Bengal fans, I know that Andy Dalton didn't get you a playoff win. He got you in the playoffs five times. And Andy Dalton, it's no guarantee that when you pick a guy in the second round, he can step in as a rookie and play and play as well as Andy Dalton played. Carson Palmer out of there when Andy Dalton arrived. And Andy Dalton, I know for all his disappointment in primetime games and in playoff games and all those things that you may focus on as Bengal fans with Andy Dalton, I mean, number one, he's a really great guy, never in trouble, always uh, exemplary as 
I don't know if he was the face of the franchise, but uh, he was, you know, maybe the nose of the franchise because he's uh, the quarterback of the franchise. But he's he delivered uh, when it could have been El Stinko terrible. The search for a quarterback could have continued after taking Andy Dalton out of TCU. So uh, I'm sure he'll get a nice ovation. He deserves it. Um, he deserves to win the game. Uh, it'd be great for Andy Dalton. But, uh, you know, as Bengal fans, I don't think you need to mourn letting Andy Dalton go because he's kind of playing like Andy Dalton. I mean, the Cowboys aren't very good, and so he's not lifting them above what they are apart from him, and that's who he's always been. He's always been a guy that if you put great guys around him, he'll be fine. And if you expect him to take mediocre talent and elevate it, he really can't do that. But he's a capable NFL quarterback. Capable. His numbers this year, they're very Andy Dalton. He's played in seven games. He started five games. He's got seven touchdown passes. He's got six interceptions. I mean, that's Andy Dalton to a T. But I like him. Uh, I'll always uh, choose to populate my team with guys who I won't get a midnight phone call about. And um, But you do have to have some stars. And uh, he's not a star. But he's a good player. So that'll be interesting. And Chris will have that game on Sunday on Fox with his partner, Kevin Kugler. Um, Buckeyes will not play Saturday. Since we spoke with you on Wednesday, the Big Ten has done the right thing. The easy thing, I think, except for the Big Ten to admit that it made a mistake. It's never easy for the Big Ten and Kevin Warren. But they made a mistake with the got to play six games thing. They didn't even need to say that in the beginning of the year. Just let the standings speak for themselves. And the standings with Buckeyes unbeaten at 5-0, and Trump, Indiana, at 6-1. and And so, and a head-to-head win. Ohio State over Indiana. End of story. So the ridiculously dumb six-game minimum to play in a Big Ten title game was never necessary. And thankfully, the athletic directors realized that. And let's face it, they realized it because they won Ohio State in the playoff. And it would not have kept Ohio State out of the playoff to be kept out of the Big Ten title game by this dumb six-game minimum standard, but it wouldn't have helped them get in the playoff. It would have been one other thing that, let's say Florida beats Alabama, Florida could say, well, we're the champs of the SEC. They're not even the champs of the Big Ten. So, you know, you want to polish the resume as much as you can. And it's not artificial. Ohio State earned its spot in the Big Ten title game. So they will not play this week. They're going to have a scrimmage today. Hopefully they don't get anybody hurt. I would imagine it won't be a full-go, all-out effort. Then they'll watch the Illinois-Northwestern game. So Ohio State not only gets to play in the Big Ten title game, they get a bye week before it. And Northwestern has to play Illinois on Saturday. You watch. Northwestern will get somebody hurt a key person hurt on Saturday. Watch. It's going to happen. Uh, I'm not wishing it to happen, but it will happen. It's just the way this works. And uh, then they'll play Northwestern next week at noon in Indy. That's different. Usually the Big Ten title games uh, at night, but I don't know why it's noon. Maybe it was already scheduled to be noon. Um, There's been some switching around of some things. Maybe it's COVID-related. I don't know if Indiana has a goofy curfew like Mike DeWine uh, established here in Ohio because everybody knows COVID, you know, goes to sleep at 10 o'clock at night. Um, But uh, they moved yesterday 
the Ohio State-North Carolina basketball game on Saturday, December the 19th, next Saturday, a week from Saturday. It was to be a 2 p.m. game, but they moved it to 4 p.m. They slid UCLA and Kentucky into the 2 p.m. slot on in the CBS Sports Classic from Rocket Mortgage Arena in Cleveland where the Cavs play. They switched the games around so that that's, that's a nice uh, thing for them to do, for CBS to do, uh, for Ohio State fans. Because, you know, let's face it, everybody's going to be watching the football game. CBS did it for ratings. Yes, they should have done it for ratings. Because you get the Ohio State fans who are going to watch Ohio State just absolutely pound Northwestern. They're a 20-point favorite. Should be more. They're going to watch Ohio State pound Northwestern. From noon to four, by the time they get off the podium and celebrate, and well, I don't know if they'll even be allowed on the podium, you know, social distancing and all that. But the the post game breakdown of the Fox crew will probably end by four, maybe not, maybe it'll go longer. But you can flip right there from Fox right over to CBS and watch Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes take on uh, Roy Boy Williams and the North Carolina Tar Heels. So uh, that's. What's ahead of the Ohio State Buckeyes? Ryan Day says he's tired of giving the team bad news. Uh, he lauds them for how they've handled the uh, disappointments of the season, getting only five games in. It's a good thing nobody knew they were only going to get five games in last January after the loss to Clemson because I think uh, Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis would have said, hmm, gee, I can play five games in the regular season or I can go and make millions of dollars in the NFL. I think my choice is easy. But both those guys are still around. We don't know what Wyatt Davis' status will be limped off against Michigan State. Uh, no update on Wyatt Davis as of yet. Okay, before I get into recapping Ohio State's win against Notre Dame in basketball, because Chris and I got into an extended faith segment on Wednesday, and we didn't get to that, and it's worth getting to because it was a, a really uh, neat win, good win, um, insightful win for a couple reasons, which I'll share with you soon. I wanted to mention this story from 24-7 Sports yesterday that Urban Meyer says that, um, and this is based off a an interview Urban did on Colin Cowherd's show on Fox, that Urban says it will take a perfect situation for him to return to coaching. And his quote to Colin when he was asked, you miss Saturday mornings before a game, Urban said, there's more than mornings, Colin. You can't do something as long as I've done it that you just feel a bit empty, meaning without a game to coach. I have a great spot at Fox, and I love Reggie, Matt, Brady, and Rob Stone. We have a great group. I've really absorbed that and embraced that to say I don't think about it. every. It's every day, meaning a return to coaching. But it would have to be the perfect perfect situation and it'd have to be something that I was confident that the health issues I could overcome or at least prevent so I don't know at this point I think I'm done but I learned a long time ago I left a job once where I planned on being there and then you get a call from a better opportunity so I think I'm done but I would never say I'm never done okay a couple of things here Um, I applaud Urban for uh, realizing that health is number one. He's got a great life. The Fox TV life is a great life. But here's the thing with that. He just told you it's not the same 
fulfillment for him as coaching football. And for him, I'm sure the coaching of football is about watching kids come in as high school players and taking them to NFL players, developing them, winning them, bonding with them, leading them. I'm sure that's, you know, the trophies and all that stuff are great. The real benefit is what a leader gets out of leading. And so he misses that, and I don't blame him. That's got to be incredibly fulfilling. It's not the same sitting on a TV set pontificating. He wasn't born to be a TV guy. He was born to be a leader, be a coach. And so he misses that. But he also realizes, cool hand Luke, man's got to know his limitations. And he realizes his limitations health-wise. I don't know why he didn't take the Texas job. But it could have been a couple things. Number one, could have been health. Number two, could have been that his three trusted um, lieutenants, Mickey Marotti, strength coach, Mark Pantone, player personnel guy, Brian Voltolini, right-hand man, does all the stuff that Urban needs done but doesn't have time to do himself. Could have been that those three guys are very happy coaching with Ryan Day, don't want to move their families from Columbus, don't want to relocate to Austin, Texas. Could have been that. It could have just been that he's not quite ready. But the Texas job, from my perspective, maybe he had, now look, he interacted with him, so he knows, like, eh, I don't quite trust that guy. I don't know if I could work with that guy. I don't know if I like what they said there about their expectations and what how things work at Texas. But he met with the president of Texas, school president, and the AD. So he met with the top two guys. I don't know why, but. Texas, Urban Meyer returning to college coaching in Texas would have been fantastic. And it struck me this morning why it would have been fantastic. Because Urban Meyer returning to coaching at Texas would have turned the clock back somewhat, somewhat, because it's never going to be all the way turned back, to a time when we were kids and college football was a regional sport. Now, it wouldn't have been that ever again. But think about this. In the 70s and 80s, and way before that too, what was really intriguing about college football was that on, in my perspective as a Big Ten kid, on January 1st in the Rose Bowl, you got to see Ohio State against USC. You got to see the best of the Midwest against the best of the West Coast. When Penn State played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, you got to see the best of the East against the best of the South. When Texas played Notre Dame, Notre Dame was the only school that recruited nationally because they just were because they were the you know the number one Catholic university and all that. But if they played Texas or whoever they played, it was like oh the best of Texas. Urban would have locked up the borders of Texas, and Ohio State has done very well in Texas since Urban came to Ohio State. He's opened that up as a recruiting vista. J.T. Barrett, Baron Browning, J.K. Dobbins, on and on and on. It's continued. Ryan's continuing it with this Kyle Ewers kid, and Matthew Baldwin was a Texas kid, and Garrett Wilson played in Texas. And uh, so that's going to continue, but if Urban had gone back to Texas, that was over. He's getting every kid out of Texas that he wants. So that's why I think it would have been neat to see Urban go to Texas because Texas, now he also recruited nationally, of course, but Texas would have become what it used to be when they owned the state of Texas. 
and Ohio State would have had to go back. So you, you can't get kids out of Texas anymore. Where do you get them? Well, you probably would have become more focused, at least more open to taking kids from Ohio. I got to confess, I don't love Ohio State not taking really good players from the state of Ohio. I don't love it. I get it. I understand it. I just, in the back of my mind, have this lingering concern that sometime it's going to come back to bite them. It's going to come back to bite them. And here's where it could come back to bite them. At quarterback. We're lining up star quarterback after star quarterback after star quarterback. You got Jack Miller. You got C.J. Stroud. You got, who's the kid coming in next year? Uh, McCord. And then you got Ewers after him. And you're getting, now, look, it's just sheer fantasy to think you're going to keep all these guys. College quarterbacks are free agents. They just are. You don't start, bye-bye, see you later, going somewhere else. And why wouldn't you go somewhere else? Remember last year at the Heisman Trophy ceremony? Who was sitting there in the front row? Jalen Hurts, transfer. Joe Burrow, transfer. Justin Fields, transfer. Three quarterbacks, all transfers. And Chase Young. So... If you're a quarterback, if you're C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller, and we still don't know who's going to win that derby because Miller came in early and Stroud came in last week. If you don't win that derby, bye bye See ya. Because, look, I can go and I can step in and I can start and I can play and I can be sit in the front row with the Heisman Trophy. So I get that. And it will be uh, a possibility that Ohio State will get to the point where all these kids leave, and who's less likely to leave? An Ohio kid who grew up wanting to be a Buckeye. Kyle McCord didn't grow up wanting to be a Buckeye. Ewers didn't grow up wanting to be a Buckeye. Uh, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller didn't grow up wanting to be Buckeyes. They they came to want to be Buckeyes, but they didn't grow up with that. You know who probably grew up wanting to be a Buckeye? It's probably Peyton Ramsey who went to Indiana from Cincinnati, Sean Clifford, who's at Penn State. I think it'd be smart to take one of those kinds of guys, particularly at quarterback, so that you have a kid who, all right, I'm not starting, but hey, man, I'm at Ohio State. I'm a Buckeye. Like, this is great. And those are the kids who understand the benefit of having Buckeye on their resume. Did you see the story in the dispatch yesterday? I don't subscribe because I wouldn't give them a dollar of my money because they're a liberal rag and they're crappy journalism. But, uh, and that's in their news division, not their sports division. Sports guys are good guys. Um, but there's a story on Mike Doss. Mike Doss, former Buckeye. Now, Mike Doss was a really good high school player at Canton McKinley. Was he good enough at Canton McKinley that he'd be a Buckeye with the way they recruit now? Probably. Probably. But, but, it's at least, it at least makes you go, hmm, I don't know. Von Bell, hmm, from, where's Von Bell from? Texas? Tennessee? Somewhere? Von Bell was not from Ohio. You know, they bring in these guys, uh, and I forget where Jordan Fuller was from, but, they bring in these guys. Uh, I think Malik Hooker was from Indy. So they go and they get the best guy in the country, which is great. It's great for Ohio State. I get it. But I'm just saying at some time in the future, it might bite you. It might bite you. And that's why, you know, I love to see Ohio kids 
recognize their dreams and play for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Okay, so uh, that's where we are with all that. All right, let me check my rundown sheet here. I promised you I would get to Ohio State hoops, and I shall. They beat Notre Dame down 11 in the second half. They beat Notre Dame for two reasons. Actually, for three. Two that you know. One, the obvious reason, EJ Liddell played like a monster in the second half. 17 points and seven of his 12 rebounds. EJ Liddell was amazing at the defensive end with block shots and rebounds. And he had a... uh, He, uh, Chris Holtman said he had a conversation with EJ at halftime, and I, I asked uh, Coach Holtman, I said, was it a conversation or was it a uh, soliloquy? And he said, yeah, well, EJ took it, and he's a great kid, and he takes hard coaching. So Holtman and EJ said later, quite graphically, that uh, Holtman chewed him out, a certain part of his anatomy, which you can imagine. Um, but EJ responded. So that's reason one that they won. Reason two that they won was because of Musa Jallo. Okay. Musa Jallo had not played yet this year. Foot injury. Don't know if it's the same foot injury. It kept him out all of last year, but Musa Jallo had not played. Seven points. So they there was one key three point play from Musa Jallo. But Musa Jallo won him the game because Notre Dame had a kid in the first half I can't remember his name. Carmack, Cornack, Carnack the Magnificent. He was magnificent in the first half. He looked like Kirk Heinrich, the old Kansas guard. Kid had 15 points in the first half. High State couldn't do anything with him. And Musa Jallo came in in the second half, zipped, zero, nada, nothing. And on the last play, Musa Jallo got all over on a switch. Uh, Notre Dame's leading scorer with 26, and he had to pass it, couldn't get up a tying three, and he passed it, and uh, C.J. Walker slapped it off the big dude's foot, and so it's game over Ohio State. Musa Jallo makes all the little plays at times. He's not every night, of course, or he'd be a starter, but he did that against Iowa State in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. He did it the other night. That's what Musa Jallo can bring to the table. So those are the two reasons, and you say, wow, I know that. I watched the game. I can see that, or I watched the game, and I read your story on Press Pros Magazine, self-serving plug, and you quoted Chris Holtman saying, we don't win this game without Musa Jallo. What's reason number three, Bruce? Reason number three is Chris Holtman. Greg Doyle from the Indianapolis Star told me when Ohio State hired Chris Holtman, you got a great coach, and I was like, okay, we'll see. And I didn't see it initially because I was a little territorial on my love for Ohio State basketball when Chris Holtman kept talking about Butler and how awesome Butler was, and I love Butler and Butler, Butler, Butler. And I'm like, look, Butler's not Ohio State. Knock off the Butler stuff. And thankfully, we haven't heard the homage to Butler lately. But very early on, it became very clear that Greg Doyle was absolutely right about Chris Holtman's ability to flat-out X and OU into oblivion. And I have watched Ohio State win numerous games, numerous games in Chris Holtman's four seasons that on a talent basis, they had no business winning. And this is the important part. On a 
in the middle of the game basis, how things are unfolding, they have no business winning. And the other night was one of those games. Notre Dame had Ohio State on its heels. No way Notre Dame's losing that game up 11 at home, second half. And Chris Holtman finds a way. Jiggles the lineup, brings in Musa Jallo, sits Kyle Young the last 10 minutes, and he loves, Holtman loves Kyle Young. And Kyle Young's the kind of guy who you think, oh, gritty guy, you need Kyle Young against a team that has a 6'10", a 6'11", big. Nope, we're going to go small, we're going to go quick, we're going to go switch defense, we're going to... He's Chris Holtman's got a way. And the way you know he's got a way is that Musa Jallo wasn't even on his radar to play in the game. Now, you can say, well, you're desperate. Try anything. How many coaches have the guts to do that? How many coaches know what Musa Jallo can give them in that situation? How many coaches realize Musa Jallo is just what we need out there right now? If we get Musa at his best, we got a shot. That's why Chris Holtman's exceptional, exceptional as a coach of this team. And I don't know what they'll be. Uh, Justice suing. Here's the thing Ohio State has in its favor. They're going to always have a glaring lack of size. Okay, How are they going to defend Kofi Cockburn from Illinois, 7 foot, 285? I have no clue. How are they going to defend Luca Garza, 6'11", 265? I have no clue. But everybody has trouble defending Kofi Cockburn and Luca Garza, okay? And Gary Williams used to tell me they got to play me too. Cockburn's got to guard either Liddell or Young or Suing. And Garza's got to guard somebody too. And EJ Liddell can go out to, I don't know that I'm comfortable with him out at the three point line. And as an aside, Kyle Young, please don't ever shoot another three. I know that, you know, you're playing Caleb Wesson's position, and I know Coach Holtman's encouraging you to take those threes. And I have a little birdie in my mind right now telling me, "Uh uh-uh, you just extolled the virtues of Chris Holtman, and now you're doubting him on letting Kyle Young shoot threes. Kyle Young will probably make a game-winning three sometime, and you'll look like a fool. If so, so be it. Right now, I don't want Kyle Young shooting threes. Uh, But, yeah, they got to play us, too. They got to play Ohio State's small lineup, which can look very similar. You know, Liddell... Young, suing, and if he ever stops kneeling for the anthem and starts playing basketball, Seth Towns, uh, pretty much a sameness across the board right there that can cause teams problems defensively. So uh, there you go. And yes, that was probably an unwise uh, reference to Seth Towns kneeling for the anthem the other night against Notre Dame. Uh, He has that right, and I don't, Here's the thing. I can defend his right to kneel for the anthem in a free country where brave men and women have died for that right for you to kneel for the anthem. I just will never, ever, ever like it. So Seth Towns has the right, and I'll defend his right to do it, but I don't like it. And um, two things can be true at once, and those are the two things that in this case are true at once. Seth Towns has every right to kneel for the anthem. I will support his right to kneel for the anthem because just like uh, being ordered to wear a mask or whatever else might be coming that the government might order. I don't, um, 
want to take away freedom or liberty. And I, so I, I, Seth Towns feels the courage of his convictions to do that. He's perfectly within his right. I just don't like to see people kneel for the anthem. So that's where we are with that. I'm trying to become more, uh, more tolerant of that. And if I offended you with that, um, I don't like offending you, but um, I love our country. And I, and I love uh, what the flag stands for. Okay, so now uh, we've covered the sports. Let's get to the faith portion of the podcast, um, which, you know, that's kind of, I didn't plan that, but that's apropos. I'd appreciate your prayers because I'm searching for a way to more perfectly or hopefully eventually perfectly use the platform that I have at 98.9 from 5 to 7 p.m. I want to use that platform the way God intends me to use it. Uh, In the news talk format, it's easy to focus on things to complain about. And I, you could say, well, to just do good news. That's not really practical. And I do uh, at least an element of good news every day called uh, Tell Me Something Good, which uh, I get rolling on these podcasts, and I forget to mention our uh, sponsors. Tell Me Something Good on the Bruce Hooley Show is a way for me to get into talking about Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. And you guys know that Hemisphere was the first sponsor to really believe in us. And... Um, and you guys have believed in them, and you guys have bought, um, become regular Hemisphere Coffee Roasters customers, and uh, we appreciate that. And so, you know, at Christmas time, if you're looking to give a corporate gift or something, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is a great place to. They have many different options, and uh, you can order specifically what you want. Send these people Hunter's Blend, send them House Blend, whatever, or they can put together some of their Christmas flavors and some of their other flavors and sampler packs and send them out as corporate gifts. So always remember HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps to get that 15% discount. Okay. Sorry, I had to slip an ad in there, but um, we, we like our sponsors, and that's why we do uh, – they they enable us to do the podcast, okay, and along with a couple others. So I was saying that I'm struggling with how to use that platform. And – I struggled at the zone to separate the opinionated on-air Bruce from the away from the microphone, be patient, be tolerant, be loving, do everything in love, Bruce. So I would just appreciate if you're a person of faith praying for me that I'd find the sweet spot and how to use that platform for good, for God's kingdom. It's not a show that um, I refer to my faith, uh, cite a Bible verse, uh, talk about Jesus, or whatever, every day. It is a show that will allow me to do that when uh, I feel like it's appropriate. Because it's owned by a Christian, the station is owned by a Christian company, and they share my values. So I can be very... Um, clear um, on cultural things that in a way that would uh, 
would get me in all kinds of trouble at iHeart or any other place. That's why I feel I belong there. That's why I feel God opened that door for me. But it's uh, it's two different things, having a door opened and then walking through the door and doing it in a way that glorifies God and um, meets his uh, expectations for me there. And I battle being uh, who I was, um, a very opinionated, intolerant, um, argumentative, all those things. I lapse into that on this podcast, probably lapse into that not just on this <laughs> this podcast in general, but on this particular podcast specifically. So if you guys know me and you follow my career and you've followed this podcast, you know that's a challenge for me. And... Um, I don't want to waste the opportunities God gives me. Which brings me to what I wanted to talk about today with the faith portion of the podcast. And had a, I have a normal Tuesday uh, breakfast appointment with uh, four guys, one of whom is Stan Willis from uh, Willis Spangler Starling Attorneys. I've got to take the opportunity to get in all my sponsor mentions here at the end. Willis Spangler Starlings, our official, uh, our, our attorney firm of choice. They're who I go to when I have anything that I want to make sure I get protected on with my legal rights, my contract at the radio station, whatever else. Um, um, some family members have a workers' compensation issue. They're seeking uh, Willis Spangler Starlings uh, expertise today on the show uh, on Ask the Attorney. And uh, if you have a question for an attorney, you can email it to Bruce at 989theanswer. And we'll ask it of uh, Will Spangler Starling today. So their their website's willisattorneys.com. Okay, so I have this Tuesday thing. Um, four guys, and we are all um, trying to hold each other accountable and use each other's separate gifts to collectively um, make a difference for the kingdom of God in central Ohio and hopefully beyond. And one of these uh, gentlemen is a pastor of mine um, at Northwest Chapel. And one of these gentlemen has just been an enormous blessing uh, in my life from a leadership standpoint, enlightening me, um, helping me find a passion uh, for leadership and recognize that I might have some, uh, some gifts as an instructor in that regard. And I'm having lunch with him today, in fact. So we were talking about uh, as 2021 gets here and hopefully as this pandemic transitions out of our lives, what are we dedicating ourselves to in 2021 to grow the kingdom of God? And I have been struck for a few months now uh, by the Christmas story that does not begin with Jesus' birth. The Christmas story begins with an angel visiting the mother of John the Baptist, Elizabeth, and the mother, the earthly mother of Jesus, Mary. And so we were talking at this breakfast about what can we do to get people on fire? What can we do to put together some kind of a curriculum and a podcast series or a video series to get people to want to share their faith and to get people to talk about what God's done in their life? And I had something triggered in my mind that struck me a long time ago about Mary's response when the angel visited her. 
And she's, uh, in that culture, probably a 13 or 14-year-old girl, maybe 15. You got to remember life expectancy back then was about 40. And so um, girls were betrothed to men, arranged marriages, a couple families that knew each other or, yeah, hey, I like your family's good family. We'd like to put your daughter with our son, whatever. And so Mary's a 13 or 14-year-old girl, maybe 15. She gets visited by an angel, and an angel says, greetings, favored one. <laughs> you know, wow. Um, and basically lays it out for her. You're going you're gonna to become pregnant. The son you bear, call him Jesus. Uh, he will, he's the Messiah. He's the promised Messiah. And Mary's like, well, how's this going to work? Like, I'm not married yet. And the angel's like, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The power of the Most High will come upon you. And you'll be with child. Now, what we don't get in that story is that the cultural norms of the time were (laughs) way different than now. Way different. Um, A woman who was betrothed in marriage to a man, for her to show up pregnant, essentially ended her life. It either ended her life literally, where she could be stoned for that, to death, or she would be branded a prostitute. That's how people would look at her. She would be basically shut out of her own family's life. She would have brought great shame to her family. Her betrothed husband would have had nothing to do with her. She would have been an outcast in her town. She would essentially have been... At best, at best, um, relegated to a life of prostitution. That's a lot to lay on a 13 or 14-year-old girl. So in her mind, Mary's probably thinking of this while this angel is telling her, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. And at no point, at no point did she ask about any of that. Her only response was, after asking, well, how's this work? Like, how am I going to get pregnant if I haven't been with a man? And the angel says, don't worry about it. Holy Spirit will overshadow you. We got that. We got that figured out. Don't, don't doubt God's power, basically. God will make it happen. And she didn't say, yeah, but what about, like, how are you going to tell, are you going to go visit my mom and dad? Like, are you going to go talk to Joseph? Like, are you going to tell the townspeople, like, hey, yeah, this is on the up and up? She didn't mention any of that. Her only response after that was, may it be to me as you have said. May it be to me as you have said. Okay. I'm down with that in modern parlance. Okay, whatever you say. And I think that's the answer to our conversation at breakfast the other day about how do we grow the kingdom of God? As talented as the other three gentlemen are, and as willing as I am, there's no video series, podcast series, program that we can design that will move people to serve God with a passionate, fiery, unrelenting, unstoppable commitment. 
unless it starts with people being of the same mindset as Mary. May it be to me, as you have said. So my challenge is to you, is there something God is laying on your heart for you to do mend a fractured relationship, devote yourself more to prayer, Bible reading, stop a habit you know is not healthy for you, end um, or police what you're looking at online at night when no one else knows but you know and it's tugging on your heart that this is wrong. Stop a association, relationship, friendship that's either placed you in a danger zone or is leading you to a danger zone. Is there something in your life In your mind, you know, requires you to address it, turn away from it, depart from it, stop doing it, or start doing it, reading your Bible, devoting yourself to prayer, mending a relationship, whatever. Is there something in your life like that where you need to take a page from 13-year-old, 14-year-old Mary and respond, okay, may it be to me, as you have said, I'm down with that. I'll do it. For me, that thing is I need to stop running stop signs. I don't mean in my car. I mean in my mind. I mean in my spoken word. I ran one today in this podcast on Seth Towns kneeling for the anthem. I didn't mean I didn't need to mention that. I did, and I'm sorry. So I have it too. I'm never gonna sit here and tell you that I got it all figured out. Cause I don't. But it's awesome that we can know that God will forgive us for that. And um, that gives us peace, gives me peace. Still bugs the daylights out of me that I let the Lord down and that I turned the Holy Spirit's voice off in that one situation. That's what I'm talking about early on. Is It's my challenge in that in live radio, And I could go back and edit that out of the podcast, but I wouldn't be transparent if I did. It's a temptation, man. Silence is death on radio, and I screw it up. I screw it up. I want to be honest with you guys. I screw it up. I'd like to stop screwing it up. So you probably, you may, may have something that you say, yeah, I got that. I got this thing too, Bruce. I'd like to stop screwing it up. You can't. You can't. 
May it be to me as you have said. Let's let that linger in our mind for a second. May it be to me as you have said. That's all God wants to hear from us. Is yeah, whatever you say, Lord, I'm down with it. I'll need help. You got to help me. I don't have. Obviously, I'm doing it because I don't have the ability not to do it in my own strength. I need help not to do it. So, um, an odd place for me to tell you one more time about auiinfo.com, but open enrollment. I think by the next time we talk. No, Monday will still be inside the deadline, but you only have until the 15th of December to get your health insurance squared away. And you should know by now, you don't pay AUI. AUI gets paid by the health insurance companies. And if you're like, well, they'll put me with somebody who's paying them, everybody pays them. And they they, they don't have a preferred, like, two, three, four, ten carriers. They, the spectrum's wide open. They can really help you understand the whole health insurance maze. And it's free, so it's kind of silly not to take advantage of it. AUINFO.com, individual, group, whatever you're in. Check them out, AUINFO.com. That's all I got for you today. Hope you have a great day. Um, Look forward to talking to you again on Monday.